Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retailistic. We are so honored to be joined today by my dear friend, Ben Jablonski, who is the co-founder of the Good Charcoal Company. Ben, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Deborah. Great to be here. So I remember our call in the earlier part of the pandemic where you were talking about this idea. And I was like this, you know, especially when you started to share some of the data around, I I would say the whole kind of grilling charcoal market, not one that I was particularly an expert in, the, the impact that it has on the environment, but also the impact that it has from, I would say, a, a decision process around where you're making the charcoal, how you are bringing it into the U.S., and some of the benefits that you're also bringing. That's a lot to digest in like one sentence as I, as I go back in time and try to get us to current day. But maybe if we can start off, because you've you've started, you know, you're, you're not a first time founder. You founded other, you know, retail businesses, which is how we originally met many moons ago, and you've done such an amazing job on these, you know, emerging brands. I've always thought that not only was it getting the product right and sticking, you know, sticking to your knitting, but also from a marketing perspective. So, if we can go all all the way back in time, can you talk about first your your passion for these earlier stage brands, the inspiration? Since this is once again not your not your first uh, you know kind of experience at this, and then what you know maybe we can just go through some of the advice that you have for other founders specifically of you know kind of retail and you know kind of brands. Yeah. Um, so I guess first of all, with my passion to be in this space, it's it's fun to create something from nothing, you know, and it's fun that to have an idea in your head and have a vision and actually see that come to fruition. And it's funny going back to 2020 and this pandemic, uh, which was really a reset for a lot of people. I'm an Australian. Um, I obviously grew up barbecuing. It's part of our culture. And um Americans love to grill. And I actually heard about a big environmental problem in Namibia, in Southwest Africa, called bush encroachment, where there are actually, there's actually an area two and a half times the state of Georgia filled with invasive acacia bush that is totally destroying the environment. And I was really inspired uh, to go check this out. And I heard, when I heard that one of the uses for it could be made into charcoal, I got really excited because um, I felt that in the United States, there was a huge white space for a charcoal that was healthy and actually made things better for people. So it was a crazy journey, four planes in uh, November of 2020 to Africa from New York. And, uh, and it was PCR tests all along the way, but just fell in love with Namibia, saw this environmental problem, slept under the stars, and uh, and started the Good Charcoal Company. So in in a case like that, and you know, now many many moons later, almost almost three years actually, you know, how have you kind of differentiated the product from others? And, you know, what advice once again do you have for other, you know, kind of big and small brands on why does product differentiation matter? 
And what are some interesting ways to approach that? Yeah, so I think the main advice I would have is that you need to stand for something as a brand. And what you stand for, you need to be able to communicate really easily and quickly so that the average American can understand or the average person around the world can understand uh, what it is you stand for. So with charcoal specifically, there were a couple things that I wanted to stand for. One, I wanted to be the healthiest option in the category. Two, the most sustainable option in the category. So with good charcoal, we're the only, and again, sustainability is a word that gets thrown around a lot, but we're the only charcoal with the endorsement of a major forestry organization, the Forest Stewardship Council. We get audited. That is something that can be communicated to retailers. That's a logo, the FSC, that appears on millions of pieces of mail around the country. It's, it's the leading forestry um, organization. So the fact that we were endorsed by them and were able to get that certification was very powerful. Two, um, people often complain about the, you know, health matters and especially when it comes to grilling there's been um a real desire to have a healthier option there and so having a charcoal that's made chemical free and i'm not going to comment on what goes into other charcoals but our charcoal on the lump side is pure wood on the briquette side it is um the acacia wood water and a natural starch so it's so simple for a consumer to understand and it burns so hot because the acacia wood is much more dense than oak or hickory. So when we distill it down, we say good charcoal, good for you, good for the environment, good for the community. And I can get into the community piece later, but it's really stand for something, articulate it really easily so that people can understand what you're about. I think that's, I mean, these things all sound simple now in retrospect. When you were kind of thinking about the not only the the branding the product right having enough i mean you needed to have the ability to make enough to fulfill demand you're working with you know some of the world's largest retailers how did you think about right choosing a distribution channel supply chain i mean things that are incredibly difficult let alone for something that is not exactly a a, a one pound item how how did you kind of think through that and work through that? And once again, we're only three years later. I mean, you've done a lot in a very short period of time. Oh, thanks. Um, so really the way I think about it with a brand is you're always balancing, especially as a startup, you're trying to protect your cash flow. You're trying to have the right amount of inventory in place, not too much because then your warehousing bills explode. Uh, and uh, you're also initially not sure if um, the skew you've picked, and let's say with charcoal, it's size of bag, uh, there's lump versus briquettes. So you don't want to invest too heavily in a skew that uh, that doesn't succeed uh, because it might be the wrong size. So for starters, you want to really understand your market and know what is currently selling in your market and what is selling well, right? And where, right? So for charcoal, obviously, you're going to be selling a lot more in Texas in December than you are in New Jersey, where it's very cold. Uh, and so, um, you know, that's something to understand. Another thing that's important when picking your distribution is really uh, picking the right amount for a test that uh, actually proves out the concept, but limits the risk to both you and the retailer. So, mm -hmm. 
we tested uh, this product and a retailer will respect you if you're like, listen, you have a, com- a frank conversation about what is the right size of test so that we learn enough about the customer to show that this works at, you know, at enough of scale to show that this actually did work with the customers. So, you know, a lot of it was those conversations and, you know, sometimes it's best not to be in a rush, right? So you'd rather test in one season, then grow more in the next year, then go really heavy because you're so excited about an order in year one and that order could be wrong. And then that might put you back two years because you're in a bad position as far as inventory goes and cash flow. Yeah, I mean, that that brings up kind of a, a whole slew of challenges, right, that, that earlier stage companies, you know, I think have to think about very early on in terms of where to invest, but also where to grow. And, you know, one of the things that I think also earlier stage companies benefit from these days is how they think about marketing, right? I mean, it's, you know, social media, which, you know, can be, I think, in some ways, a blessing and a curse, because there's so many different ways to communicate with the customer, right? How do you figure out the right channel and like how much money to apply against that? And But without having kind of a traditional or existing marketing plan in place, right? The sky's the limit. How did you think about where to invest, how to invest, who to work with, et cetera? Yeah. So we had a blessing and a curse with charcoal because charcoal is one of the few products that is not direct to consumer. Um, you know, the, the leading brand uh, in the space has um, set price where it is, and that's created an expectation uh, in the consumer's mind about like what charcoal should cost. And because of that, and because it's heavy, uh, it makes shipping charcoal across the country, it makes the price, you know, not workable. Yeah. So we were like, all right, cool, that's off the table. So what are we doing and how are we investing? So step one was, and we used social, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok to a more limited extent because, again, the average charcoal customer is a little bit older uh, man. And, uh, you know, all the women are starting to buy as well. So step one is figuring, just figuring out who is your customer and where are they spending their time? What platforms? Um, so for example, if you're a, a guy and into charcoal, you're often, you maybe come into it because you're looking at how to make a great steak, right? So a lot, so step one was really assembling for me, a team of the best grillers in America and making them ambassadors and part of the brand. So we now have almost 200 really uh, almost full-time grillers that only use the good charcoal. And one of them, uh, and we have a pro team actually that goes around and competes week to week and we report. Really? Uh, the results. Yeah. We, we, they go, they have good charcoal tents and they're, we, you know, we, we have a, you know, a, like a 30, 40 person pro team that is literally competing around the country, winning barbecue competitions with the good charcoal. And that was step one to kind of say, you know what? We're a legit charcoal. We're, we are the best charcoal on the market. And because the people that compete use it. So that was step one. As we're starting to grow and thinking about the next few years, um, again, it's kind of like, I think a good example and something that helped me to think about it was Peloton, right? That they their beachhead market and was really mums that didn't have time, right? At the very beginning, right? And if you mm-hmm. look at their very early commercials, that's who they were targeting. It then they then start to sell to everybody, right? And obviously they had a bump with the people staying at home. But um, with us is now that we've established that our beachhead market was the competitive griller and establishing legitimacy in the space. Now that we're growing, we're seeing that health is such an important thing that people are thinking about. 
And we're really targeting um, and starting to partner with moms, moms around America, especially moms in the South, and saying, you know, how can we be a part of the conversation at home where people are saying, you know what, Memorial Day is coming up, Fourth of July is coming up. How do we have a healthier grill? How do we actually look after our families better? So those are the kind of um, groups that we're starting to go after and will be uh, in 2024. As you think about the points of distribution and how people, you know, right, it goes back to they're, they're ultimately doing the last mile. How does that change a product where ultimately you're relying on retail or doing your own retail at some point? How does that change the relationship, the power dynamic, et cetera? It is, it is a very interesting point that you brought up, which I don't know if I've, I've exactly heard before. Yeah, um, I think that retailers really care about um, how are they going to, how if they're bringing in a new product and if you're an entrepreneur talking to a retailer, the thing that retailers care most about is how you, by changing the SKU mix, how are they driving new people to the store? And, um, and how is your product going to sell through relative to the portfolio of products that that particular buyer has? And so a lot of the conversations that we have with retailers are really, okay, well, what do you represent to the customer in this category? And um, for us, it's really sustainability, it's health, it's performance. But, you know, we're, the reason where I'm going so hard and, and talked about health so much is that um, it's giving the retailers a new way to talk about charcoal. And that's something that's really empowering for them where they've just historically, it's just something that people haven't thought about. It's something that's been there. People think a lot about organic meat and getting a great meat for your grill. But when they come to charcoal, the thought almost stops there. And so, you know, a big part of this is like, how do you affect that conversation? And by affecting that conversation, how are you bringing people to retailers that wouldn't usually have come maybe to that retailer? You know, I, I think that as, as I'm listening to you, though, I mean, you almost created, you know, if we think about when I still remember the first time I, I think I was actually in Hong Kong, I ate a Beyond Meat burger and I was like, what? is this i'm like this is i didn't eat red meat at the time or any meat and i was like this is amazing i'm like you're sure like i'm looking at the package i'm like you're sure this is just like non non-meat product and right they created an entirely new market i mean in my opinion you're almost creating right like an entirely new market because this isn't something anybody's ever given any thought to when they purchased it it was just like cheapest easiest to access etc i mean you're you're kind of changing the game on people I, I believe so, because I think um, especially um, if you look at different groups in society, there was a huge move away to gas grills because charcoal was thought of as dirty and very difficult to clean. And so by actually finding those people and saying and telling them, look, charcoal is actually healthy now and it's actually good for your kids. And by grilling it better and by actually preparing meat together as a family, you're actually going to have a better experience, get closer to your kids, uh, things like that, and and have a better uh, quality product compared to if you just put it on a gas grill that maybe couldn't get to the temperatures that you wanted it to. So I think that we're really trying to just be unique, to stand for something, 
and to articulate that and yeah, people are responding. I mean, I think I think you did an amazing job of summarizing the the report that we worked on together. And so for those of you on the podcast, it's called Rising Above the Competition, Playbook for Emerging Brands to Succeed in a Crowded Market. And I I actually think though that as we had our conversation, I mean, much of what you brought up wasn't just for emerging brands. It's it's for anyone. I mean, it's 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 a retailer or brand, right? Because many of these re- retailers, they they have their own brands, right? I mean, especially in kind of you know grocery, you know, let's call it mass merchandising, clubs, drug, food mass, etc. Like they they've got their own brands, and so it's a it's a bigger conversation and something that they're there's probably a lot that they can learn from you also. Well, I, I think that the beautiful thing about retail, and if you're and if you're excited about it, um, you often go into a store and just listen to the customer and hear how they speak, and you can learn so much from people that way. And I think that, yeah, it's it's so important in in an era where you're essentially trying to get people to come into your store, be excited about something, understand what you're all about. It's more than startups. It's it's any product in the store that you're trying to convey a message around. So we come to the difficult part of the show now, Ben. Time for true confessions. What is the the greatest challenge that you've experienced while at the Good Charcoal Company? Yeah, personal um, or professional? Yeah, or well, um, some you know, I'll leave aside the time differences with uh, with Africa and trying to make uh, a lot of calls work. But the big, the main challenges are um, how do you really you're all you're always in a race between you know between telling your story not running out of money right while you tell that story balancing inventory and growing distribution and so the greatest challenges have come when the timing of those things have clashed right so Hmm. you know let you might have big commitments uh let's say next year but this year you might have, we, and it's happened, right? We, we've had a, you know, we've, we've had a skew that might have not been exactly the right size. But then you've got to figure it out because you've got to balance your cash flow for this year, you know. So the biggest challenges have been like where, again, cash flow is best is challenged with marketing, that is challenged with sales, and so, and you're often sometimes chasing your tail, and knowing that the most important thing is just to advance forward, right? But you've got to be able to do that, you know. And so, and part of the things uh, that we've sort of run into this year is a really tough funding environment. And yeah. so, you know, we've had a challenge where you know, challenge just just making sure that everything is uh, in place so that we actually can grow. So that's been, you know, twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three have been tough on the on the funding side. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to as well you know, this, this community that you've created and that, you know, really differentiates you from any other brand or retailer, the, you know, I, I think that oftentimes, you know, when we do a lot of competitive analysis, analysis, SWATs, whatever, uh, four letters you want to put around it, right? You think about, okay, if they were to disappear, would it matter? But this would actually matter. And I, and I think it's important that we give you some time to talk about why it matters because no brand is going to not be successful or we can just take out the double negatives and like this brand will be successful because if it weren't on the market, there would be kind of this this wide gaping hole. 
So can you talk about the the community that you've built, why it's important? And, you know, I think I'd love to conclude with, you know, one final question. We can do two back to back on what can people who are listening to this pod do to support you? Yeah. So I think one thing I haven't talked about with community is actual work in the community. So when we started this during COVID, the good charcoal, we saw all of the food insecurity really get just heightened in the United States. Um, people weren't able to put, you know, just their their bills together. People were making choices between what to buy, whether paying the electric bill or getting food for their kids. And we decided that every week uh, we would take a barbecue food truck. This is before we had a dollar of revenue. Uh, take a barbecue food truck, bring it outside a church food bank or food pantry. And when people were getting uh, their canned goods, to actually give every family, and we didn't, we asked how many people are in your family? Was it two? Was it four? Was it six? And give them that amount of barbecue sandwiches or hot meal to take home to their kids. And where we're growing that, we've done that every week since inception. We're almost at 40,000 meals that we've fed you know, to people in need. So it's, we're still small, but we're growing our impact. And so that is something where people really love that. And people love it for a few reasons. One, um, we're not writing a check to a charity. Uh, we're actually doing the work with our own hands. And so um, actually, I'm going to be in Dallas on the 24th of um, this month with um, the, the local buyer for Kroger Dallas handing out meals to people in Dallas. And so I think people, on let's say on social, they look at that and they want to be connected to something that's real and seeing the actual people that work at the company handing the meals out themselves is really, really powerful and really important. I want to credit Sam's Club because the buyer at Sam's Club brought his kids to see what we were doing and he's handed out meals with us too. You know, so I think that's that's a really unique thing when it comes to community is that um, how real are you and can people see that it's real and connect to that? So that's um, that's something on the community side that we're really proud of and as we grow, we'll scale out even more. Yeah, I think one of our team members, Michael Kentrell in Atlanta with Home Depot, and I think John Harmon in the New York area. I mean, you know, it's like we've seen it firsthand in terms of the impact that it has and how how good you really feel like when you're participating. I think that's really incredible. I'll I'll also have to connect you. Uh, Dave Matthews from RevTech Ventures is in Dallas and is having a kind of a a founder event at the exact time you're there. So see, you never... Kismet, he's a he's a great supporter of Corsight. We're uh, we we feel the same about him, and he really does look to do a lot of good in the world. So you know, things have a way of coming together for you. I've always thought that, and so that would we'll, be, we'll make that, that connection. Great. That would be so, great. Yeah. So for so last question, in going back to how we can support you. Where do you currently have, I'm not sure how many, how much you can share about specific retailers, but geographically, where do you have distribution? And, you know, all, all of us, even in the uh, kind of environments where we have less sunny days than let's say Dallas has, right? We want to be able to have access to kind of a, you know, a product like this. So maybe help us understand geographically where you have distribution and if there are any retailers you can name who you're working with right now. Yeah, so we're nationwide. Um, and, you know, so you can get it pretty much near any way that you live. 
Um, the main retailers we're in at the moment are Sam's Club. We're in Target. So both of them chain wide. Um, and then locally, we are starting to grow with different retailers. So we are in um, Kroger in Dallas, right? And hoping to grow uh, that relationship. Uh, and uh, there are other, you know, fresh food retailers that we're in as well. So we're in Fresh Time in the Midwest. They're a division of Meyer, And, you know, product is doing incredibly well there. We're in uh, United in Texas. They're a division of Albertsons. So product has been great there. So um, we're really, um, you know, we're looking to grow, I think, into the grocery channel a lot more to give people everyday uh, shoppers a chance to really buy this. So, uh, you know, I think we're, that's where really, we're really looking to grow, you know, at the grocery level. Great. I think that's a wrap. I, I learned so much from you as always. And, uh, no you know, this is a market where we at Corsair are very passionate about, Ben, you know, your generosity to continue to share your insights to other founders to provide, you know, those in need with hot meals and, you know, really to provide this, this product that hasn't previously been available on the market. You know, we wish you continued success and for everyone on the the pod with us, do what you can to support Ben, Dave Matthews. We're going to give, uh, give you a call and uh, please like subscribe on your podcast channel of choice. Ben, we can't wait to ha have you join us with a few other founders so that uh, you can also help uh, kind of spread the insights and, you know, really the foundations that have helped build such a strong, well, not just one business, but several strong businesses for you. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Deborah, And so inspired by you and your whole team. Thank you. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.